Good afternoon, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 965 KPEL. Glad to be with all of you today. If you want to take part in the conversation, 232-1542. Let's jump right into the redistricting fight. But in order to do so, I need to start with a story. In the last redistricting fight, everybody remembers the fight over taking us from seven congressional seats to six. Everybody in this area in particular remembers the fight between Charles Bustani and Jeff Landry that resulted from that in the congressional district. A lot of people remember that there were some reports that it was Bustani's people who were making some deals with folks who didn't exactly have the Republican Party's best interest at heart in drawing those districts, in his district in particular, that made it more favorable to him than to Landry. At the time, I was on the radio in Natchitoches, KNOC 1450 AM, and I was interviewing congressmen on that radio station pretty regularly. Our representative was uh, John Fleming at the time. Um, and I remember asking, like, so what are th- what about these reports of, of some backroom deals being cut and, and some of you congressmen being left out of some of those discussions while others are trying to take advantage? And he wouldn't comment on it. I remember that conversation distinctly. Everybody remembers the congressional fight the fight over the congressional maps because Louisiana's population had shrunk and we lost a congressional seat because of it. What a lot of people don't remember is the fight over the state legislature at the time. Right now in the state legislature, you have a lot of conservatives, a handful of moderate Republicans, and a handful of a dying party in Democrats. Twelve years ago, it was the height of the fiscal hawk era of Louisiana politics. You had a handful of conservatives, a lot of moderate Republicans, and a, uh, a, a slightly stronger Democratic Party. Enough Democrats who would side with moderate Republicans to really go after the conservatives who were in the minority, frankly. And there were a lot of battles over redistricting in the state legislature because a lot of folks wanted to draw out the conservatives and the moderate Republicans and the Democrats worked really hard for that. And there was a lot of fighting, a lot of back and forth between Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and moderates, etc. Ultimately, there was a map that most people could agree with. They just needed somebody in the legislature to sacrifice their district, basically divide up somebody's district in order to make the map really work. Enter Rick Nowlin, representative from Natchitoches at the time, where I was from, and I was on the radio at the time. Nowlin began his political career a couple years before that. And he was the best candidate of the bunch, but he was very new to politics at the time. It was a very crazy race. By the way, you had the former mayor of Natchitoches, Joe Sampate, running. Uh, There was a guy named Mac James uh, who was running, who really entered the race in order to screw Sampate out of the seat. You had Nowlin running. You had 
I think one other white candidate running and then you had a black candidate running as like the Democrat in the race. And it was a it was a crazy, crazy race. And, and, and there are so many stories from that, including the time at a public debate uh, where the media could ask questions of the candidates. And one of the one of the folks, an activist with their own little independent newspaper, asked Nowlin if he was gay. And Nowlin had the perfect response, which was, you'll have to ask Marianne, his girlfriend at the time. But anyway, Nowlin, during the last redistricting session, volunteered for his district to be essentially cut in half. His line of thinking was, well, the seat will still be based in Natchitoches. I'm from Natchitoches. I have the advantage. But the district lines that were drawn were favorable to a black candidate because it brought in parts of Red River Parish and the parts of Natchitoches it kept were a large part of the black community of Natchitoches. And when it came time for Nowlin to be reelected, he was beaten by a candidate, a black Democratic candidate, who did a really good job of rallying black voters. As a result, Nowlin, because of his sacrifice, lost that seat. The person who beat him was Lieutenant Colonel Kenny Cox, who is now in state media today, saying that the loss of his seat, he's term limited, but his district, which is still based in Natchitoches, is essentially being divided up between surrounding districts. And they are opening up a new seat in the New Orleans area. And Cox is very upset about this, and he's calling it gerrymandering. Which is not the case at all. I've been in the war. I've had a lot, I've had to do a lot of killing and a whole lot of things, Cox said. This was, uh, this is being, this is it, on the Daily Advertiser's website. Uh, this is from the LSU Manship's uh, School News Service. I've been in the war. I've had to do a lot of killing and a whole lot of things, Cox said, but this bothers me more. I have not been able to rest because we have a collective group, a historic district where people have something to vote for for the first time in over 300 years. He's won every race in that district he's run in. They've been voting for him. But now it's being divided up in order to make a stronger majority-minority district in the New Orleans area. And he's calling it gerrymandering. And it's not. It is not gerrymandering. And people like to say the word gerrymandering when they see maps that they don't like. But that's not what this is. And this plays into a larger issue that we're seeing over this fight. Now, to be absolutely fair to Kenny Cox, to Vincent Pierre, to Cleo Fields, even to the Republicans, Sheck Snyder, Sharon Hewitt, Paige Cortez, all the Republicans who are very vocal on this, they all have to advocate their position. And yes, sometimes the talking points don't always make sense. But they are there and we have to live through them. But what Kenny Cox is saying, what Representative Cox is saying right now, is not truthful. If anything was gerrymandered, it was probably the district that he's in when it was first drawn up. It was gerrymandered in order to make room for other seats that would be consistently Republican. But not really favor conservatives all that much. 
And it wasn't the result of gerrymandering so much as it was the compromise to allow gerrymandering elsewhere. Because gerrymandering isn't just about race. It's about what can benefit a political group or class. Sometimes it's about race. Other times it's just about party. That's why the Democrats have been using the phrase political gerrymandering, partisan gerrymandering, over the last couple of years. They've been expecting this. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, let's talk more about this redistricting fight, and let's talk about the Supreme Court's involvement in Alabama and what it could mean here in Louisiana. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. More on redistricting when we come back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965-KPEL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. You can find me online at Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and the podcast version of this show. If you miss any part and want to go back and catch up, please subscribe, Apple, Spotify, wherever, and be sure to leave a review and a rating on the podcast version so we can get this show in front of as many eyes as possible because numbers always look good. So the Supreme Court decided in a 5-4 to four ruling to reinstate the voting map that passed in Alabama despite a lower court ruling that it dilutes black votes. What we're seeing right now is a conservative Supreme Court that is very skeptical of the idea that the Voting Rights Act means you have to meet a certain quota for black voters. The main talking point here in Louisiana is that because the state is one-third black, that means that one-third of its congressional seats, in this case two out of six, need to be majority-minority districts. And the Supreme Court right now looks like they're not buying that argument. And as I, I mentioned yesterday, you can say that in a statewide sense, yes, one-third of Louisiana's voters are black. But population distribution does matter. Because gerrymandering, as it's being discussed, is about drawing maps that benefit or take away from a particular group or class. And in essence, if you were trying to draw a very tricky majority-minority map, you are essentially gerrymandering. You're cutting out of one to cut into the power of one in order to provide for another. It fits the definition. The problem is that we have to consider the equitability, the fairness of it, if you will, when it comes to congressional seats. And from the beginning, I've said probably the most likely victory here for activists is not so much another blue district, but probably a significantly more purple district, which you can see in a couple different parts of the state. Garrett Graves of Baton Rouge, his district can be drawn to be more purple. Um, Mike Johnson, a portion of the northwestern part of the state, is sufficiently African-American enough that you could make his more purple. You could probably also make Scalise's more purple if you wanted to. 
The real fight here isn't so much over the congressional seats, though, as it is the state legislative seats. Now, everybody is focusing on the congressional seats. Now, why is that? The Democratic Party has a handful of votes as a majority in the House. They're on the cusp of losing it. Everybody expected the Democrats to lose the House come 2022. The numbers just are not there for the Democrats. There is a way to mitigate that if Democrats can get more blue districts, especially in the South, which is what they're hoping for and what these lawsuits have been about. There's one particular Democratic law firm, the Elias Law Group, that is going around and just launching files, uh, filing uh, lawsuits in every state that they can. Soon as a map comes out, if it's a Republican majority state, they're filing a lawsuit. Mark Elias, or however you, Elias Elias, one of them, he's the one filing these. He's, he's, a, he's a Twitter troll and a noted activist, and his law group is filing all these on behalf of the Democrats. They are trying to force the creation of more Democratic seats in order to stave off electoral defeat in 2022, and it's not going to happen. Part of the Alabama decision of the Supreme Court is based on the fact that you are trying to redraw something this close to the election. And everybody predicted, the, the, the Democrats are furious at this, by the way, but a lot of people predicted that we were going to see situations like this around the country because the Biden administration withheld census numbers until very late into 2021. And it did not give state legislatures enough time to come together and start redistricting. So the Democrats want to be angry with anybody. It needs to be the Biden administration for sitting on the census numbers and preventing redistricting fights from coming sooner. But the Supreme Court does not seem to really believe in this idea that a racial quota has to be met for the Voting Rights Act to be followed. And that's what they're going after right now. And the Democrats and the progressives are furious. But you can have a five to one congressional distribution In the state of Louisiana, five Republican, one Democrat, and that one Democrat be a majority-majority district and still be equitable to black voters. The thing here, like I said, is that this is actually a fight about the state legislature. The Democrats and the Republicans are talking about the state legislature a whole lot more than the media in the state and around the country is. They're focused on the national stuff. And in the state, the national stuff is getting the talking points, but all the negotiations right now are over the state. There is an opportunity to redraw the maps, and there will be some negotiations, and there will be some discussions, and there will be new maps that come out as part of compromises. And those maps will favor black Democrats, all of the Republicans, and not the white Democrats, which puts John Bell Edwards in a tough spot. 
in the news this morning, you had quotes from Vincent Pierre, representative from here in Natchitoches, the leader of the Black Legislative Caucus. And he's saying, yeah, we're all in with John Bell Edwards. We're all in with the governor right now. We are solidly in his camp over the Ronald Green thing. And they're saying that knowing full well that if Edwards wants to continue having their support, he's going to have to approve a map that gives them more seats and takes away from his white Democratic buddies. The House and the Senate are going to pass these Republican maps that are pretty much maintaining the status quo. And Edwards will veto them. And the Republicans won't have the votes to overturn the veto. But they will have the votes to come back to the table and draw something else that changes districts up a bit, leaves most Republicans relatively untouched, but gives Democratic seats a whole lot more black majority so that black politicians can go back and say, we did this. You know, we are 60% of the Democratic base. It is time for us to let our voices be heard. And that's how it's going to work. That's the discussion. We're just going through the motions right now. Everybody's talking about this political fight because they want to focus on the issues right now. But every politician in Baton Rouge and everyone watching silently from the sidelines knows that what they're talking about right now isn't the battle. Right now is the posturing. Right now is the platform. In a couple weeks, the real battle is going to be these legislative seats, the state house and the state senate. And you're going to see some changes come out of that, and everybody will walk away happy, and everybody will walk and tell their side that they, they did the right thing. And everyone will be happy, and will go back to the way things were, where it's just the usual Republicans versus Democrats, except after 2023... There will be a whole lot less white Democrats than there are now. 232-1542, we are going to go ahead and take another break. If you want to join in the conversation, feel free to call in, find me online. We've got a couple more things to talk about, including the reason people are disliking a gay Superman. We'll talk about all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation, joining us on the line now is Robert. Robert, thank you very much for calling in. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain too much. Um, I, I want to take a second and I want to rant just a little bit. Sure. Um, I am exhausted listening to the programs on KPEL from 7 o'clock to 6 o'clock, with the exception of yours. That last thing you did about gerrymandering and how you explained it, you're very calm, you're very intellectual, and your program is the only program, I believe, during the day that actually truly educates people on important issues, and I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, Robert, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the call. Um, and, and thank you very much for listening. I'm, I'm glad that a lot of folks are, are liking the show. I've gotten a few comments uh, out on the street and on social media. And so as long as you guys, if I can feel like, I, I feel like if I can, you know, take some time and discuss the issue and really dig down into it, 
I think a lot of what some folks complain about the 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 angry yelling and ranting and st- and stuff like that. I yeah. think that starts to go away in society, and that's to me that is really one of the one of the more disappointing things about political discourse as a whole right now. We're too busy, right. oftentimes, just kind of talking past each other because we want to get a point out. And I'm not really, with with the exception of some issues like education, I will get ranty mm-hmm. about that. But mm-hmm. there are, I, I think that if we, I really do want us to take, as a community, as a country, to take more time to really talk yeah. about the issues. So, mm-hmm. Robert, thank you very much for calling. That that makes me feel a whole lot better uh, hearing other folks saying that. Awesome. Keep up the good work, man. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. 232-1542 if you want to call in and take part in the conversation. Um, if you want to join in on the conversation on social media, uh, there, I, I did have somebody reach out a little while ago and, and they want to know, um, aside from the newspapers in the state, where's a good place to go for, you know, news and analysis on statewide politics. And I will, you know, be biased and say, obviously this show, um, KPL, I think the programming is really good on, uh, of throughout the day, but um, if you are somebody who reads during the day, um, Jeremy Alford, La Politics, uh, is a fantastic resource just on analysis of what's going on in the Capitol. Um, I, as far as the newspapers go, now I, I am biased because I've done work with the Daily Advertiser. I love the folks at the Daily Advertiser, and so I am more partial to the USA Today Network papers than I am to the advocate papers, the the ad, particularly the Baton Rouge Advocate and uh, NOLA.com, their writers and their um, their editors are very very openly biased. Their their entire business structure is more agenda driven than news driven, and while you can detect a partisan lean in the statewide reporting that the USA Today Network's uh, papers give. There's still really good local and state reporting there that I would trust more than the, the the Advocate Network's papers, frankly. So I would highly encourage, if you do just want to pick up the straight newspapers, the USA Today Network papers are really good. Uh, Jeremy Alford, Law Politics. Um, and then, of course, I have to mention the Hayride, which is the best conservative commentary website out there for Louisiana politics. And, and, and Scott McKay at the Hayride has branched out and has writers that are covering things in several southern states. There's a lot of Texas coverage. There's some other southern states covered. So there's good stuff there. And, of course, I want this show, like, you know, as Robert called in and said, I I want this show to be a lot more analysis and discussion and things like that. So uh, if you guys want to reach out on social media, if you have a question about something I said, I'll gladly point you to whatever resource I'm using at a particular moment. Uh, and the, the Alabama court stuff, SCOTUS blog is the best website out there because they give straight analysis of the rulings of what the Supreme Court is deciding. There isn't a partisan lean there. They are strictly going by what this, what the justices are saying, what the ruling is, and what the dissent and the concurring opinions are and how they're responding to each other. The SCOTUS blog uh, write-up on the uh, 5-4 decision on the Alabama voting map, for example, is very much, here's what happened, here's the timeline of how it happened, here is what uh, Justice Elena Kagan said in her dissent, here's what uh, Brett Kavanaugh said in his concurring opinion, here's how they responded to each other. 
So that's really good analysis. I believe a whole lot more in analysis than anything else, even if it is partisan analysis, to get a good understanding of, of what either side is saying. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. On this redistricting thing, it's, it's really, really tough to say exactly where this is going. I'm giving you guys what I've heard from various folks behind the scenes, how the congressional talk is really just that. It's, it's really largely talk on the, the, the party line, the platforms and everything. What everybody coming out of this special session is going to be thinking about is the end game as far as the state legislature. The state legislature is where all the battles for the next 10 years, as far as the state go, will happen. And the Senate and the House are currently very lopsided Republican, obviously. We, you have near supermajority in the House and the Senate, near supermajority levels. The Democrats are very much on the decline in the state. The Republicans currently are trying to ensure their majority going forward, ensuring this near supermajority going forward. You have the most conservative House and Senate that you've had in a long time here in Louisiana, perhaps ever. Still not perfect. Still not perfect. We know that leadership could be better. We know that several uh, decisions on legislation should be better. But this is still by far the most conservative Republican House and Senate that we've seen in Louisiana history. And going forward, it will continue to be that, I think, once the maps pass. The only question about the maps, what they're going to do, will be how it affects Democratic seats. You will probably end up making some Republican seats a little bit more moderate, but you'll still get good conservatives running because the most active voices getting into state politics right now are fairly conservative. The Democratic seats are going to undergo the biggest change in race, where you will see more black Democrats getting elected and a more active black base. There will be more black voices leading their communities. There will be more black politicians running for office. And you're going to see white Democrats on the decline. And this goes back not just to the Ronald Green thing, but this goes back to guys like Gary Chambers. Because these are people who look at what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia, building a statewide network and using that to advance herself as well as minority voices in Georgia. And they want to replicate that playbook across the South, across the deep red South. And so you're going to see guys like Gary Chambers try to do that. Much to the chagrin of folks like John Bell Edwards who came out and trashed Chambers' pot-smoking ad because he knows it resonates. And that's why you're seeing the lieutenant governor, Nungesser, doing this civil rights trail across the state of Louisiana because he knows that black voters are dissatisfied with the way the Democratic Party is currently being run, and he wants to nab some of them before it's too late. That explains the timing of his civil rights trail. And that explains what's going on in the legislature with redistricting. 
232-1542. We're going to take a break. When we come back, why are gay Superman comics not selling? We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. Glad to be with you guys this afternoon. If you want to join in the conversation, 232-1542. But before we get to any more conversation, did you know that the woke Superman does not sell comic books. Currently, in the comic books world, the Superman line of comics is known as Superman's Son of Kal-El. Allow me to get a little nerdy to explain what's going on in comics. Superman, Clark Kent Kal-El, as he's traditionally been, is off-world. He's doing some superhero thing in space or whatever. Or maybe he's just on vacation. His son, John Kent, the son of of Clark Kent and Lois Lane, has been handed the mantle of Superman. A few months back, it made headlines all over the place, a big, big piece of the New York Times, that Superman was bisexual now. And it takes a little bit of explaining because it's a misleading headline. Superman is not bisexual. Superman is happily married to Lois Lane. But his son, who is currently carrying the mantle of Superman, is bisexual and has himself a boyfriend. And this was a big deal. And in January, there were some reports that the numbers were not all that convincing, that this was a great and wonderful thing. And the current author, Tom Taylor, uh, went on this massive rant on Twitter talking about how this is great, but they never decided any numbers proving that people loved it and the sales were great. The annual for Superman for Superman's Son of Kal-El did come out in December and it fell off the top 50 chart completely when it came to unit sales. The book did place 45 on the top 50 comic books by dollars chart in December. So there are probably a lot of digital buys on there. Superman's Son of Kal-El number 6 barely made it on the unit chart. It was in 42nd place on the top 50 comic books by dollars chart. It was 50th, dead last on the list. So other than the issue where they announced, I think the, the, November, the, the November book, which is when it came out that he was bisexual and had a boyfriend and everything, other than that, Superman sales have completely fallen off. Nobody's really buying those comics. Nobody's really reading those comics. The comic book industry is not doing well at all, and DC right here is, is emblematic as to why. They have gone very much in the way of the woke and the super progressive in order to kind of bludgeon its readers, bludgeon its audience with how woke they are and how accepting they are. And DC didn't really need to do this. DC's had a lot of gay and lesbian characters over the years. Um, one, of the mo- one of the more famous uh, kids to take on the, the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake, uh, has recently come out as bisexual, possibly gay. He, he hinted in, in one of the comics in a conversation with Batman that he needed to have a, conver- a long conversation with his ex-girlfriend. Um, actually, there's a lot in the Batman family that are that are uh, LGBT. A um, lot related to, to the Batman comics who are. But, but across comics, there, there have always been several who are gay or lesbian. And it's never been really thrown in our face up until that point. There was another headline um, a couple months back, about, oh, Wonder Woman has a girlfriend. Wonder Woman's been a confirmed bisexual since, like, 1994. 
Like this is this is not new, um, in the world of comics anyway. This might be new to y'all. I don't know. But the culture is submitting to the woke movement and in turn bludgeoning its audiences. There's a, a movie that recently came out or, or, or something. Uh, I think it's called First Days, something like that. And it's about the first days of school for a 12-year-old transgender student. And this is the type of media that's being thrown out there. Now, I'm, I am fairly progressive when it comes to LGBT issues. I'm, 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 a, I'm a lot more of a squish on the issue than most conservatives out there. But there's a difference between being accepting and bludgeoning people with it. And that's what culture does. Culture takes hold of something that it sees as the next big you know, social movement and it bludgeons you with it. It's blood, it bludgeoned you with the lesbian and gay thing for years. And now it's on to the trans movement, actually. It, the, the, the trans movement is the next big thing in culture. And you're going to find DC Comics, Marvel, and others that are going to start hitting on the trans thing a whole lot more. Right now you have a non-binary flash in DC Comics as well. It's not to say that LGBT characters don't work. They do. Like I said, there have been several out there. The problem is that many people will say that it's homophobia driving the response to this. And, and there has been a lot of response to DC and all this. The problem is that it's being used as a cudgel. This is my, my buddy at, at Red State, Brandon Morse, wrote this in a column. The issue is that homosexuality has been used as a cudgel with which to club the non-woke with, which is the vast majority of America. They simultaneously want to use Superman's sexuality to normalize it to the young and purposefully anger everyone else for both the publicity and for personal reasons. Um, they want to shove it in your face and make you watch as they destroy characters you grew up with with modern values that make no sense to the character or the story half the time. And Brandon's absolutely right in writing that. It is a cudgel. The wokeness is a cudgel that is used to try and force values on people who aren't even really the audience. Most of y'all, probably not the audience. I'm a comic, I'm in the comic book audience. I, I typically make time during the week to read the latest on what's happening with the Batman comics. I love Batman. I've always loved Batman. Any character that is Batman or related to Batman, I will read the comics for because I enjoy it a whole lot. But the vast majority of you are not part of the comic book's audience. But they will still use the publicity for this and get it out there. And in turn, the media and the woke culture will bludgeon you with, hey, you're not progressive like DC Comics is. They have an openly bisexual Superman. They are trying to force more cultural change where there doesn't need to be any. The culture has shifted a lot with it in several ways. But there is a big need in our society to go back to entertainment for entertainment's sake. We're losing that. 
And I hope we can get it back because I like entertainment for entertainment's sake. I don't like entertainment that's forcing stuff down my throat, and I don't think any of y'all like that either. It's very difficult to watch that sort of thing. It's very difficult to have whatever political or social statement thrown into your face time after time. Why do you think the NFL is recovering in ratings right now? It's because they're not doing that anymore. People are watching the NFL because of that. Thank you guys very much for listening to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. Going to take a 23-hour break. We will be back with more. Of course, you can catch the podcast version of the show on Apple, uh, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter uh, at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can check me out on Red State and at kitchenpundit.substack.com where you can subscribe for my daily columns. Talk to you guys again tomorrow.